wonderful. But what is wonderful about it is not simply the sense of electricity, so to speak. It's not just the fact that we've got a larger crowd than we have perhaps ever had before, but there is a presence and a grace and a work of God that is among us this week that is not common. It's not something you are going to find everywhere and anywhere. You will not find it uh, just in any uh, place that you go. There is something that is uncommon. God is doing. Now, there's various reasons. There's various factors for that. Uh, we realize there is the element of prayer as we seek God. We faith that there's a dimension of God's grace that is upon us, but probably most significantly, one of the elements that is brought about these presence in this working of God among us this week is the fact that we have sat hour after hour being preached to. Hour after hour, we have heard from heaven, and we have encountered the living God, and have been brought to places of decision and response, and there's a great work there. I want to look this morning at preaching, because this is a very, not only a very potent element concerning the kingdom of God, I believe it's a very critical element concerning the hour in which we Live, Amen. Now, preaching is a very significant. If you will listen to many of the people's conversations after the morning seminars or in evening services, they're out uh, apart from, you know, the uh, normal fellowship. It's usually revolving around uh, not so much what a wonderful praise service we've had. It really doesn't revolve so much around, you know, wasn't that music group really good? And Though they are, but usually it's around the preaching, isn't it? The sermon that has been ministered and how powerfully that has affected our life and how that has pierced our soul and penetrated into our lives. And I want to look at some of those things because I remember very clearly uh, as a new convert uh, that as I stepped into the Prescott Church, and there were many things that did touch me. But I remember, above all, sitting on the front row uh, of the pews and very eagerly listening to the Word of God. Many times uh, being convicted, many times something inside of me rising up and God dealing with me. But I want to tell you something. What I remember as a convert, what I remember as a disciple, is the preaching. Hallelujah. And the impact that that has upon our lives. Listen, recently we, uh, uh, very unfortunately, but we had a young lady who uh, left our congregation and she's talking to me about why she's doing this and among the various issues that she is bringing up. One of the statements she made to me uh, amid the various criticism is she said, we thought you would be different, but you're just like Pastor Mitchell. And most of the other men in this fellowship. Because, you know, because of your preaching. Because I just preached a number of messages and what she was bringing up in her criticism was, well, you said this in this sermon and you said that. And if you had an issue with me, why didn't you just come and talk to me? And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm going, my dear, you know, what do you think preaching is? 
Hallelujah. Now, as we look at this, preaching is primary. Lloyd-Jones said preaching has always occupied the central and predominant position in the life of the church. It always has. We pray that it will continue. Because I want to tell you something. Preaching is in jeopardy in this hour. Book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Now, there's an exclamation point there. Preach the word. Be ready, in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables, uh, amen, or fantasies or fiction. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, Pastor Mitchell has always said and, 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 and made the distinction, we are a preaching fellowship. Now, many of you this morning have no full real comprehension of what's involved in that. You think that any time people get together and they have church, there's preaching that's going on. But I want to tell you something, that's not so. We are a preaching fellowship, and this means there's something defining, there's something distinctive, there's a dimension that is involved in this. But as we this morning, as a preaching fellowship, I want to minister or speak to you, not simply preachers, not just disciples whose aspiration is one day to go out and preach the gospel, but you and I as the people of God who likewise have a responsibility and a role regarding the preaching, amen, uh, because what is involved here is uh, as the assembly who has come together, we also have a responsibility. We have a responsibility regarding our response. We have a responsibility in how we handle and how we uh, come to terms with what preaching really is all about. Now, preaching is the primary task. Basically defined, many of you understand that it is to be a herald. It has to do to declare. Uh, it has to do with a proclamation. The image there is one who, as a herald, is sent forth by the king, and he is to go and make an announcement whereby there's an assembling of the community, and when they are assembled, to bring that declaration, to bring that proclamation, to bear upon the hearers, and at that point they are responsible and accountable, and a message that is brought is not his own message, but is a message from the king, Amen. It is a mandate. It is a declaration. That's the picture. Now, we understand that, but you see, something here, as we look at this, this is basic to our commission. This is basic to our, uh, our responsibility that we have. It is in preaching the gospel. Now, you know, one of the astounding things is having had the great privilege to 
minister a number of years in Kenya, and, and I know Pastor Schultz and Pastor Leonard can identify with this, is when you go on the mission field, you know, you're pretty naive. You know, you kind of go out there thinking that basically anybody that's out there as a ministry, uh, missionary is ministering the Word of God, but you know, probably 95% of what is done in the name of missions has nothing to do with preaching the gospel. Probably 95% of what is done, and I would probably say the reality is very much the same here in America, that most of what is done in the name of ministry hasn't anything to do with preaching. See, God chose the foolishness of preaching, didn't He? God chose it, and He says that he, this is His design, this is what He has chosen, and He has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. It is the foolishness of preaching that is the power of God to us who are being saved. So there's a primacy, there is something fundamental that is involved in this. This morning I was reminiscing with Mike and Linda Tomey as we were fellowshipping and, and in the days of Farmington, our very first church going out. And, and I, I, I can remember so clearly when we went out, we, we didn't really have it all together. We really didn't know and have this thing down. All we knew is what basically was imparted into me. Amen. So I didn't have it so much in my head, but I did have it in my heart. And we were talking, and you know, here we're in Farmington, we're young, we had only been in the Prescott Church four years, I'd been on staff four months. <laughs> amen. And we're out preaching, and lo and behold, people are getting saved, amen. Linda's uh, in the church, Mike comes in later, gets saved. And you know, we were talking about all the things that we did, but you know, everything we did revolved around the various outreaches where we'd preach the gospel. The floats at Christmas time, going out to Shiprock and the Navajo Nation Fair and all the different things that we were talking about, how what a wonderful scene that is. And I want to tell you something, preaching this morning is primary, it is the fundamental to the gospel. Now these are critical times that we're in this morning. Paul's charge to Timothy has founded and it is premised, if you will, uh, and in light not only of the duty and responsibility, but it's also in the context of the crucialness of the hour. Because Paul tells us in chapter 3 that these are perilous times, they are dangerous times, uh, they are times uh, uh, that are fraught with many pitfalls, uh, and uh, the problem with all of that uh, is that in that place uh, people are not going to want uh, necessarily the Word of God anymore. People are not going to want, he tells us very plainly, very explicitly, that many will turn away from sound doctrine. They will turn away from the truth, and they will prefer fable, they will prefer fiction, they'll want stories, they want entertainment, they want something else, and so it's in light of that there is a sacred charge, there is a divine duty, amen, to make sure that we preach the Word of God. Now, that may sound very simplistic and rhetorical this morning, but I want to tell you something that is very, very crucial concerning what's involved in preaching the Word of God. Amen. Not all preaching is preaching the Word of God. Amen. Today, we, uh, I was musing, I was looking over, we get different books, you know, as pastors, you're always scrambling what book, and, you know, is, is good here and there, and, and so, you know, different things, and, uh, 
Pastor Scary, you know, oh man, here's this, here's this one good illustrations, you know, stories from the heart, and you know, and I'm looking through the, and they're great, you know what I'm saying? You're always looking for something that can uh, help uh, uh, accentuate a message. You're looking for something that can touch hearts or bring alive and make relevant a point. Uh, but you know, as I'm looking at the back of this book, uh, it's talking about the author, and they're talking about being one of the outstanding motivational and inspirational speakers. But I want to tell you something. Preaching is a lot more than motivational. Preaching is a lot more than inspirational. And preaching is a lot more than psychological. Amen. Preaching is something that is very distinct. It is something that is very unique. Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he makes some very incredible statements here. He says, preach the word, be instant in season and out. And oftentimes we take that as simply, you know, being ready to preach, you know, not only when, when there's great opportunity that presents itself, but being ready to, you know, kind of be extemporaneous, to be able to just, you know, off the cuff, wing it and have a message. But realistically, what that's saying is, uh, Timothy, you need to pre- be able to preach the word Amen. Uh, in a time whether they're wanting to receive it or not. That's right, what it's really talking about. Not just when there's opportunity. Amen. But it's talking about preach the word whether they're willing or whether they're wanting to hear it or not. And so as he speaks that, he says because the danger that is involved here is that uh, uh, there's going to be a demand that creates a supply where the hearers invite and shape their own preachers. If people desire a calf to worship, one man said, a ministerial calf maker is always readily to be found. Amen. See, it's interesting. What, you know, when we come to this conference, what did you come to hear? What did you come expecting? Amen. You know, Jesus asked the question about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to hear? Did you want to see some fine orator? What, what is it we're looking for many times? And so here it is, is there are those who seek to hear, but their hearing is for their own gratification, and they will refuse or reject healthful uh, 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 sound teaching, amen, their motivation is going to be their own desire, their motivation is going to be their own agenda, their motivation is going to be their own passions, their motivation is going to be their own emotions. And it's in that context uh, that Paul is bringing this admonition because uh, uh, this is very, very critical in our hour, because as I said, you know, we have communicators, we have motivators, we have inspirational speakers, we have entertainers and psychologists that abound, but oh, God, give us preachers this morning. Hallelujah. Give us people who will proclaim and declare the Word of God, because see, the issue of preaching must rest uh, solidly and firmly on God's Word. This doesn't mean that you simply inject a few scriptures here and there. What it means is the Word of God, the mind of God, the will of God, the revelation of God, amen, is brought to bear upon our lives. This is what's involved in that, amen. There's more entailed, amen, than, as I said, just quoting the Bible, but it means to bring that truth and that revelation and that will into a present realm, into a present arena that retouches our lives, that deals with you, our hearts, uh, that deals with our circumstances. 
Amen. See, the issue is not always so much as in the style as it is actually in the content. Amen. You know, preaching means a lot more than, you know, taking ten minutes to talk about one word. Amen. You know, getting the handkerchief out. Oh, God! I say God! You know, and the, you know, we get the idea of what style is. You know? God, don't kill me for mocking. You know? Hallelujah. It's not so much the style, it's the content. It's the issue of the message, not the massage. Amen. It's what's brought to us this morning. Now, I don't like to want to sound so critical because it's always easy to be critical. But I want to tell you there's not a whole lot of substance in what is propagated as preaching today. Amen. One of the great vexations I have is, you know, you try to find resources, you find or I find material, and you look at these books and say, man, here's this big book, you know, big flowery, you know, cover, you know, big promo, lots of hype, and you get into it, and they nothing, absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. You turn on, and I don't recommend it, but you're staying in the motels, and you turn on, I, I just check it out, because I get out of tune with it, amen, and Usually if I turn on the religious stations, it's just something to vex me enough to so you got something to rail on, you know, or find out what's going on. But I want to tell you something. I, I, thank God for preaching. Thank God. Oh, thank God for the preaching this week. Amen. See, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, says that as stewards of the manifold and the multifaceted grace of God, we are to speak as the oracles of God, that is meaning this morning there is to be an utterance of God that is upon the message, again the mind, again the will of God made specifically, and this often involves, amen, not always something that appeals to us the way we would like, but involves very hard issues, because as Paul writes here, and he says not only an instant in season to discharge your duty, whether welcome or not, but to con- Vince. Now this is not talking about a little intellectual gymnastics that's going on. The word there is literally convict of their error. Amen. See, we get a strange idea. Oh, the Holy Spirit will convict. No. Preaching has a purpose, and that purpose is to bring a convincing, amen, empowered because the Holy Ghost empowers the word where it convicts of error. Amen. Don't you hate? To always find out you're wrong. Amen. Praise God. Hey, you know, when I'm trying to do what I know that, but wrong is still wrong. Amen. Whether you're trying to do it or not, and there's a convicting, he says, to rebuke. This word implies a sharp, severe rebuke with the possibility of the threat of penalty for disobedience and a future judgment. Now this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. I'm not making this up. This is what preaching is all about. It means to exhort with long suffering. Calvin says men need to understand what they hear and learn to perceive why they are rebuked. And so it's talking about an element of enduring. Amen. It is talking about an element of patience. But see, this plays out practically in our lives in a number of different ways. Amen. Because, uh, you know, one of the 
things, it's, it's always phenomenal, is what we really expect from preaching. I was talking to a friend of mine and who very sadly is no longer preaching the gospel. Some time ago as I was talking, you know, I'm still saved, I'm going to church, you know, in fact, I was just at church this morning, he's telling me, oh man, this is, you know, this was a great scene, I mean, there, this, that preacher, he was preaching on issues too, but he did it in a nice way. I'm going, oh, I was sad, my heart was broken. Amen, how turned, amen, did it in a nice way. In other words, not offensive, nothing that brings a decision, and almost sarcastically said, yeah, I almost even went to the altar. I said, God help us. See, preaching is, means something. What, you know, what do you think preaching is? You know, what, what do you think it's really all about? What, what do you think preaching is? You know, most of us think, well, it's a sermon, or it's a talk, or it's a, it's a teaching. That was a nice teaching pastor that was a nice uh, talk that was a nice uh, message but i want to tell you something preaching really does have a dynamic that goes far beyond that uh, and uh, and and by nature and by definition it means there's a dealing with issues uh, that often are very both personal and particular hallelujah now we never mind messages that we so agree with. Amen. There's never, how many know, there's never such a good sermon ever preached as the one that you agree with. Whoa, preach it. Whoa, preach it, pastor. <laughs> but it's the one, amen, amen, that ticks us. That begins to talk about your attitude. And that begins to talk about your fault. And begins to get in under your skin. Hallelujah. Then it becomes a whole different issue. Then our posture often changes. Then, you know, it's, oh, it's not the Holy Ghost anymore. It's pastor. Uh, you know, you know, you, what are you doing that for? You know, I've had people, God love them. Amen. Come to me, this young lady that I mentioned briefly. She said, you know, if you have an issue with me, why don't you just come and talk to me about it? See, that's the way we think. How many of you have ever said, pastor? Listen, if you have anything to say to me, if there's anything you see in my life, uh, if there's anything, uh, you know, if you'll just tell me, I mean, I'm open, I will receive that. Uh, but you see, the moment he does, uh, you know, first of all, you don't. That's a lie. You won't do that. And so when he's preached on, and, you know, this was, ooh, you know, why, you know, you know, somebody was talking to pastor about me, or, you know, Pastor, you know, he, he, I was talking to him about this. Now he's preaching on it. You know, there's a very interesting, and one of the challenges and the difficulties, especially in, and I would say, some of the smaller congregations, is that, you know, the fact of the matter is you only have so many people, and usually everybody knows everybody quite well. And the pastor usually is fairly aware of, you know, I know he's often the last one to be aware, but... Ultimately, he's aware of what's going on. You know, he deals with lives, he's counseled you, he sees attitudes, he sees responses, he has some insight. And so, you know, what do you, what do you think, you know, is involved in preaching? You know, 
So, you know, that all, it's wonderful, it's fine when there's a message, but when it begins to talk and it begins to address and begins to hone in, uh, you know, in areas and those attitudes and the things that are being done, you know, immediately we can feel, uh, you know, you're, you're against me, you're, you're pinpointing me, you know, uh, you know, you're, you, this is all about me. Well, you know, first of all, you really need to get a grip this morning on pride. How many understand that? Amen? See, we feel like, you know, the... Uh, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. See, we think that everything's about us. And while it may be pertinent, many times the message that is ministered is in fact triggered because there's an awareness of the need, there's an awareness of an issue, there's an awareness of the problem, and good chances are that, you know, someone else might be dealing with some of those things too. Someone else needs some of those things, or there needs to be some revelation, there needs to be some insight, or some spiritual perspective that is brought to bear upon that. And so here, church, is the responsibility that you have regarding preaching, is understanding that is the role, that is the responsibility, that is the charge, amen, of the preacher. Amen. See, there's a spiritual dimension this morning that's involved in preaching. The Bible says that the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of men. Amen. It, it, it divides asunder or it makes distinction between soul and spirit. And I want to tell you this morning, if we had to be saved and born again by the Spirit, then it's the Spirit that we continue to need because it's the Spirit that's going to change us. It's the Spirit that's going to transform us. That means that somehow there has to be a revealing of the reality of what's in your heart. Not what you say is in your heart. Not what you mean to be in your heart. Not what you are trying to project that is in your heart. But what is really in your heart. <laughs> Amen. See, a lot of times we have good intentions, but they're wrong. Amen. We have different perspectives and feelings, and that, but they can be wrong. They're misguided. They're, they're off base. They're, they're not in tune with the Word of God. And God's Word reveals and it brings a measure, it brings a, a, a reference uh, uh, regarding the reality of the heart. But not only that, it goes beyond. It goes beyond, amen, the intellect. It goes beyond the mind. It goes beyond the emotion. And it gets down into the spirit and begins to deal with the spirit of, of man. Amen. And this is what brings about change. Amen. Pastor Simmons mentioned briefly in his report concerning working on the job with many of these men. They've come out of programs. They're Christian based, but they're not saved. They're not converted. And the reason is, I want to tell you, psychology cannot bring about conversion. Psychology cannot bring... I understand there's a role and helps us understand many times and see how we function. But beloved, we need something that goes beyond the mind. I need something that goes beyond my psyche. I need something that goes beyond my soul. I need something that goes beyond my emotions. And it is the preaching explicitly, expressly of the Word of God that will bring that to pass. Amen. 
See, I'm persuaded that one of the reasons why we don't see the dimension of the dynamic of conversion as a whole, not just in our churches, but as a whole in Christianity, is because they're not preaching the Word of God. They're preaching everything else. Amen. They're preaching 12-step programs. You're dealing, uh, uh, you know, with things that, that push all the emotional buttons. Now listen to me. I know, I understand we are emotional beings. I am not, you know, deriding this morning, uh, you know, anything that gets emotional. I'm not saying we need to become uh, like uh, Mr. Spock, you know, on the Star Trek. Uh, and, you know, I'm not advocating that. But, you know, there's some that we really like women especially love to have the emotions pushed oh amen you know what I'm saying we those things you know the, the chicken soup for the soul you know like God help me I'm so sick of chicken soup give me some meat <laughs> amen hallelujah see there's things there. These can be heartwarming. They can be soul-stirring. Amen. But we need something that goes beyond that without the Word of God. Yes, we can be moved for a moment. We can be made to feel better for a while. Amen. You know, praise God. You know, when your pastor preaches, he wants you to be, be more, you know, than encouraged for the moment. You know, oh, thank you, Pastor. I feel better now. Hallelujah. Oh, church, listen, there's more involved than that. It's going to take more. It's going to take something regarding your response to the Word of God. And the objective of preaching, see, is not simply to produce an effect. Amen. But to bring about something effectual. Now, an effect is that which is, is basically it's external. It has to do with the emotion. It, it produces something, but there's no effect, amen, that is taking place. Uh, in First Thessalonians, Paul writes in chapter 2 and verse 13, he's addressing the church. He says, for this reason, we thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God that you heard from us... Now, how did they hear the Word of God from them? By preaching. Amen. When they preached the Word of God, as they preached and ministered the Word of God, not as they just sat around in, in discussion groups, and, and, but as, as the Word of God was preached, he says that when we did that, you welcomed it. You welcomed it, not as the Word of men, but as it actually really is the Word of truth, the Word of God, and because of the way you responded to the preaching, because of the way you regarded that, because of how you dealt with that, that uh, it effectively worked 
in you, in other words, it has produced the desired and the attended effect. That word effect is the word energio, amen, it means to put forth power or to be operative or to work. Preaching works. Preaching does the work. Preaching, amen, by the Holy Ghost does the work, amen. The Word of God is spirit and truth. It does a work, amen. It doesn't just push an emotional button for a moment. It doesn't just, uh, uh, you know, tiltillate the intellect for a little while, amen. It's something uh, that works in the very depths of the soul and the spirit of man. When we receive it, there's a dimension, there's a dynamic that goes beyond ourselves. That's what we need. See, a lot of people, oh God, we're just waiting for something to fall out of heaven that's going to impress us. Amen. That's going to, you know, kind of, you know, just, you just, you know, just let it come up. Oh God, if you just change me. See, at the altar, what you're doing is you're responding to the preaching. Not just praying, oh God, if you just change me, then I'd be different. But there's a response to the preaching. It's in the response to the preaching. There is a divine uh, power uh, that is operative, that is working. Hallelujah. There is this morning a very uh, real dimension of the prophetic that is involved in preaching. That by prophetic I'm not talking about simply the predictive But I'm talking about an element of God's mind being brought to bear. There's a very distinct picture as we look in the Old Testament. As the prophet spoke, what was he doing? He was bringing the mind of God for the moment. He was addressing the situation of the hour. He was pronouncing, amen, the will and the work of God. Yes, often there was a predictive element, but by and large as he addressed a nation, as he addressed a people, as he addressed individuals, there was an element there. And as he did that, God was being brought on the scene. See, the prophet brings God to the people. The priest brings the people to God. But the prophet is, he brings God's word. Amen. He, there is something that precipitates the purpose of God in preaching because there's a prophetic element. Amen. There's something that lays the foundation that before God works or as God is moving, there's a element of preaching, the proclaiming of the Word of God that precedes that, that must precipitate that this morning. And as a result of that, there is a divine encounter that is involved. As a result of that, there is a divine dimension that it is no longer simply uh, the people or the or the man that is dealing with the prophet, but they are dealing with God. How many understand that when we are hearing the preaching of the Word of God, it is God with whom we have to do. It is God. That, you know, it isn't just, it is not just a man. It is not just a message. But it is literally God with whom we have to do. Uh, you know, this is one of the things I, I, many times you'll see people who are not just going up to the bathroom, but you'll see people who walk out on a message. They'll walk away from that. They'll, they'll not regard that. Or there are others who'll sit and they'll, 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 they'll resist that and they'll oppose that. And the thing is not so much, oh, you know, they're not listening to me, but oh God, they're, they're resisting you. 
They're refusing you. And upon that, there's a pivotal point. Literally, destinies can be determined. The decision that they make at that moment is so crucial because it's the Word of God that they are confronted with and the presence and the purpose and the mind of God. Amen. And so there are directions that are often determined. The power of preaching is not primarily in the mechanics but in the dynamics that are involved in it. It's that heralding of, again, the mind and the will of God that's brought to bear. It's that place where it's God we, whom we have to do with. You see, this is a great, awesome task that is often before us. This is a, a double-sided element as well because it involves the preacher and the hearer. This is, this is what is difficult. See, Paul is speaking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you need to do this. You need to be diligent about this. Don't be derelict in your duties because if you refuse to do this, you are denying something of God that God not only uh, wants to do in those people, but you're denying something of my design. You're denying something. You're literally withholding something of my purpose that is involved here. Amen. They have been denied an opportunity to meet with and to respond to God. Amen. And and to bring about uh, God's purpose. Uh, we've uh, read of Jonah uh, uh, many times. In Matthew 20, uh, 12, rather, 41, says the men of Jonah are men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now we have read, we've heard many sermons perhaps on Jonah, and we look at the wrestlings and the story that comes out there. But you know, the reality is that that whole issue of the dealings of Jonah, it's really not about Jonah. Amen? It's really not about Jonah, but God has a message for a people that He wants declared. God has a man that He wants that mess to declare that message. And, uh, you know, God says, listen, Jonah, this is not just about your destiny. This is really not just about what you are wanting to do. I have a people that I want to speak to because I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. Amen. They're, they're in great danger. I'm going to bring my judgment. But even before God would bring His judgment upon a people, He required a preacher to go forth and proclaim that. And as they did that, we know the story, they repented. See, that's why God was so insistent. It wasn't God's uh, personal dealings and personal enlargements. Uh, amen. With Jonah alone, it's because God says, before I move, uh, amen, there's something that is, it must precede that, uh, that, uh, uh, pre that precipitates that, and that's the preaching, uh, and it's the heralding that must go before that. And see, beloved, that's why there's something prophetic in preaching. And I'm absolutely astounded how often being stirred by the Spirit... You'll preach something. And it seems that out of that, it's not just the repentance at the altar. It's not just the particularness of sin. But there's a dimension that's released. There's something, amen, that is, is brought about once you begin to move into that arena and preach. And church, listen, that's why we need to understand what preaching is all about. That's why there is a dual responsibility that is involved. Praise God. See, there's a response that is always required that becomes pivotal. We've heard of Saul and Samuel last night, but, you know, here's the powerful element that's involved here 
is as Samuel confronted Saul, amen, there was, Saul had an opportunity to repent. Saul had an opportunity to respond, amen. We see Nathan and David, here's the prophet, here's the men of God, bringing something to bear upon a heart, upon a life, upon an issue at the moment. Oh, church, listen to me. This is what's involved here. This is why the response is so crucial this morning. Praise God. You see, preaching must be primary. Preaching must be, amen, set forth. Praise God. It's not just one of the things that we do. It's not just our method or our style. It is the power of God. Do you hear that? Preaching is the power of God to save those who believe this morning. Praise God. Thank God for preaching. Thank God for people who want to hear and receive from. But that's how God works. Amen. See, many times you'll think if somebody just talk to you and work it through and discuss and, and stroke your feelings and push your emotion, oh, that'd make you feel a lot better. But I want to tell you something, that won't change you. That is not what is going to help you. Amen. It's the response as well as the regard for the preaching of the Word of God. Praise God. Pastor Ruby.